So, uh, yeah, today we are talking about waiting on the Lord. Um, I think if we were to take a little survey here in the room, and I asked everybody their top ten favorite activities, I think out of everyone and their top tens, uh, I think nobody would say they enjoy a great trip to uh, the DMV um, or, you know, waiting in line at the grocery store or anything like that. Um, waiting is not our favorite. Uh, but this is something that comes up a lot uh, in the Word, um, and I think it's really important to talk about. Um, I find it really, really interesting that there are a lot of times in the Word where, let's just be honest, the Bible's really bloody, okay? There's a lot of battles, there's a lot of fighting, there's a lot of killing, all right? It's, it's actually a really great book for guys to read. Most of the time people think about reading your Bible, it's kind of like a girly thing to do. It's actually very, very violent, lots of blood, guts, and gore, so guys, like, you can put down, like, your Tom Clancy novel, and the Bible's like a good substitute. Um, but, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, anyway, <laughs> lots of wars, lots of fighting in the Bible, um, and there's a lot of times where, you know, uh, God tells the Israelites or he tells one of his people or he tells King David, hey, you need to go fight these people, pick up your sword, pick up your spear, and I need you to go do this. You know, David slays Goliath. Uh, the Israelites go and take the promised land by force with their armies. Uh, but there are also so many times, I can't even, I, I didn't try to count them, but there's so many times where God, call, God calls Israel to a battle and they do nothing. Literally nothing. Like, I'm thinking about the times, like, with Gideon, when he calls out, like, uh, 300 people. He's like, hey, send home, like, that other 20,000 guys that you have, and just take the 300. And uh, they're like, you want us to take these swords, guys? He's like, no, grab those jars and those candles right there, and we're going to do this. And they go, and uh, basically, the other army just kills themselves, and basically, they didn't do anything. Um, and just a lot of stories like that. And it's just kind of crazy. It's, it's weird because sometimes God calls us to fight the battles ourselves, and other times he just kind of calls us to do nothing and watch the Lord do his work and wait for him to do that. Uh, we got a few passages that talk about that. I'm just going to kind of shot or machine gun through some of them. Um, Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil desires. And it goes on to say, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Psalm 40, 1 through 2 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. This one's a pretty famous one. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land, and you will look on when the wicked are cut off. And finally, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So one thing that I've kind of found out about like these passages about waiting on the Lord is like they actually sound really good, uh, but I think that we don't really know. If, if you were to ask me, I don't know, probably even like a few weeks ago, what does it mean to really wait on the Lord? I'd be like, I don't really know. It sounds really good though, and I have it up here in my refrigerator. So I think it might be a good idea to take a look at what it means to wait on the Lord. And I think there's not anybody better to look at than the guy who wrote most all of those verses up there, uh, David. 
David is the one who wrote almost all those psalms about waiting on the Lord. Uh, you see, David knew a thing or two about waiting. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we're going to just recap the story a little bit. But David was anointed king as a little boy. Samuel came to his house, and God told him, hey, this is the guy. He's going to be the king. He was just a little shepherd boy at the time. And uh, yeah, and then the next day, he became the king of Israel, and it was really awesome. That's not what happened. He got anointed king, and then he got called into uh, Saul's palace to go and, uh, you know, play some music for him every time he got possessed by a demon. Really weird. Um, I'm sure that was a strange job to have. It's like, hey, <laughs> demons got him again. Come on, David, grab your harp. Uh, but, and then he became the king. Just kidding. He didn't become the king after that. After that, he became a warrior to fight for Saul and his army. And then he became the king. Just kidding. Still no. After that, he became a fugitive of the king. The king got jealous of him and chased him down and tried to kill him. And so that's kind of where, where we're coming to uh, at this point in the story is David is on the run from King Saul, and he knows that he's supposed to be the king, but instead of being the king, the guy who's not supposed to be the king is trying to kill him before he can become the king. Not a great situation for David. And so um, that's where we're at. And I want to take a look, and I think that this story right here, this part of David's life, really shows what it means to wait on the Lord. Uh, David is waiting around uh, with his camp of warriors and some of his family and all that stuff, hiding from Saul. And um, Saul comes rolling in, and uh, he's with his army and stuff, and he has to go relieve himself. And so he chooses a cave, uh, and David's men are looking around, and they're like, that's Saul right there, peeing in the corner right there. Go get David. And so they go get David, and they're like, David, Saul's right there. You can go kill him right now. You can become king, and we can all go home. It's going to be great. The Lord has, they say, the Lord has given him to you. And if I was in this situation, I probably would have said the same thing. I'd be like, it doesn't get much more obvious than that. Like, that is an open door. That's like two doors wide open, huge. Uh, and so David goes up, and he's like, yeah, you're right. And so he goes up, and instead of killing him, he you know, cuts off a piece of his robe, and uh, he comes back, and you know, he's, he's conscious stricken. He's like, you know what? shouldn't have done that. Um, and so he has a confrontation with Saul after this happens, shortly after he, you know, uh, zips up his zipper and, you know, walks outside, and uh, David goes, hey, Saul. And they have this conversation. Uh, it's in 1 Samuel 24. It says, then David went out of the cave and called to Saul, my lord, the king, when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen to men who say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on the Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but I did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. And here's the big, here's the big part right here. He said, May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. Now this is big. This is more than David just not wanting to get his hands dirty and kill the king. This is a statement of trust. David says, you know what? I have been promised kingship. I was told by the Lord that I was going to be king, and the Lord has told you that you are not going to be the king anymore. 
And so most of us in our minds would say, all right, great opportunity. I'm going to go and kill him, take what's mine, and I'm going to be the king. But David says no. He says, you know what? It's not my place to kill the king. I am not going to force God's hand. I am going to wait patiently for God to do what he promised me that he was going to do. He doesn't take the onus upon himself to be the one to put him in the position that God said that he was going to put him in. And so he says, you know what? And this happens another time, too. Again, they find themselves in front of Saul. They had Saul sleeping right in front of them, and David could have easily killed him. And again, he tells, tells Saul, hey, you know what? The Lord is going to judge between me and you, uh, but I'm not going to touch you. So David, in David, we see like this perfect model, I think, of most of the time for waiting on the Lord what it looks like to wait patiently for him. And this is what, based on this, and based on what we see in David's life, I would say, if we're looking for a definition of what it means to wait on the Lord, I would say it is an intentional refusal to fight for yourself, and instead, waiting on God to be your helper. Say it's an intentional refusal to fight for yourself, and let God help you instead. So, uh, just a a quick note on uh, what Um, waiting on the Lord is not, okay? It's not laziness. It's not doing nothing, okay? There's a story that Jesus tells, uh, a parable, and he tells uh, his disciples, there's these three guys, uh, this master leaves them with a lot of money each. One guy gets a talent, the other guy gets two, the other guy gets five, and master leaves, the other guys put the money to work, they get five talents back, they get two talents back, Uh, but this other guy kept the money for himself, and uh, not for himself, but he just hid it, and the master gets back. He's like, all right, great job, servant. You're getting five talents. Uh, you're going to be over all these cities. Uh, good job, other servant. You know, you're going to be over this many cities. And he gets to the last guy, and he's like, what did you do with my money? And he's like, oh, I hit it. I put it in the ground. Uh, and he's like, yo, you could have put it in the bank and got interest back for me. And the thing he calls him is, you wicked, lazy servant. And so we're seeing that whenever God puts us over something, we're not uh, we're not called to just sit there and be like, well, God's going to take care of it. Whenever Jesus got back or whenever the master got back, the guy wasn't like, oh, well, I was waiting patiently on the Lord to multiply that money. Like, did that not happen yet? Jesus just accused him of being lazy. And here's the point. All of us have battles to fight. People are going through things. We have illnesses. We have sons and daughters who have run away from the faith we got bills to pay, and we don't know where the money's going to come from. We face, maybe we're not trying to take down Goliath, or you don't have, we're not trying, there's not some king chasing us down trying to kill us, but we have these battles in our lives. And I believe that the Lord, a lot of times, He calls us to fight. He calls us to take up our arms. He calls us to uh, go and have an active role in fighting those battles in our lives. But I think there's other times, like the one that David is fighting here in this story, where God is calling us to wait patiently for him to fight for us. Here's what I mean by that. Okay, so this is like a really hard thing to understand if you don't understand one really like essential part of God's nature. A lot of us understand God as Father, loving Father. We have a lot of good songs about that. We understand him as provider. We understand him as our judge. We understand him as our friend. And those are all essential things to know, essential things to know about our relationship with him. But there's this other part of him uh, that we don't talk about so much, maybe because it's not as PC as all the other things. Um, 
but it's this. Um, <clears throat> after God delivered all of Israel uh, from the Egyptian army, you know, the army was closing in, and uh, Egypt, or Israel was just standing there in front of the sea, and they're like, all right, army, ocean, we're dead. Uh, but God instead, you know, opened the Red Sea, and they passed through. And after that was over, uh, the Israelites learned this aspect about God, and they put it into a song. And here's what they say in that song. Just the first line of it. <clears throat> here's what they sang all together after God brought them to the Red Sea. It says, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. I'm not going to sing this, by the way, so don't like get your hopes up. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation he is my God, I will praise him. My Father's God, I will exalt him. And here's the next line. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. You guys catch that? It's in the Bible. Exodus 15.3 says, The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. And here's what we have to understand. If you're going to understand why we can wait patiently for the Lord to fight our battles, you have to first understand that he is a warrior. And it's part of who he is to fight battles. Have you ever seen that part? Uh, it's like a very churchy, uh, very Bible-y word. Um, it says, this is one of the titles that God gets called a lot of times. Uh, it says, the Lord of hosts. You guys know what I'm talking about? It says that a lot in the Bible. Um, let's be honest. Does anybody not know what that means? Like, it's okay. You don't have to raise your hand really high. Lila, thank you so much for being so honest. You're the best. Y'all, if you can count on Lila for anything, she will be straight up with you 100% of the time always. It's great. Um, but then also I get those times where she's like, hey, you were wrong about this in your lesson. I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> she keeps me honest. Um, what was I talking about? Um, Lord of hosts. Thank you. Uh, in the Bible, we see this term all the time. It says Lord of hosts, which all of you apparently know what it is, so I don't know why I'm explaining it right now. But anyway, uh, Lord of hosts is uh, a Hebrew term. Um, it's, uh, I can't remember the Hebrew term. Uh, that's Anyway, nobody cares anyway. Uh, basically, it means, it means uh, Yahweh of armies. It means Lord of armies. So every time you see in the Bible, uh, God of armies, or uh, uh, Lord of hosts, it pretty much just means the Lord of armies, specifically the Lord of the armies of heaven, which is basically like Bible terms for like, my dad can beat up your dad. My dad's like the Lord of, you know, so-and-so. My dad's the Lord of, like, building chairs and stuff. My dad's the Lord of armies. Um, don't pretend y'all didn't do that when you were a little kid. Um, but these are like some, so the Bible says that God is, the Lord is a warrior. And it says that he is the Lord of the armies of heaven. And somehow we have, like, taken Jesus and, like, this is pretty much the only thing we think about him now. We think of, this is what my old pastor called him sometimes, or our perception of him, is Jesus Bo Peep. Like, sweet Jesus, like with the baby lamb, and like, wouldn't hurt a fly, like, very non-confrontational. Um, he would never yell at you or anything like that. Um, and honestly, I picked out, at first I picked out a different image of Jesus, and it had the little lamb and stuff, but then he had like the little, uh, you know, the little shepherd's staff, and it had like the little curl at the end, and he had like the Jesus glow on top. And it was much more girly. And I was going to add like flowers behind it and stuff, but I didn't because I actually really love this picture. I actually really love this aspect of who Jesus is. 
Y'all, he really is, like this really is a big part of who Jesus is. This is a really big part of who God is. He is that kind. He is that gentle. He is that loving. But we can't let this part of Jesus make us forget about the other aspect of Jesus, the one who's coming back for us at the end of time with fire in his eyes, a crown on his head, a sword coming out of his mouth, and the armies of heaven behind him. That's still a reality about who Jesus is. And we have to actually embrace that. I think we've got kind of used to trying to hide the fact from like people who have criticized our religion, saying that God is a vengeful and hateful God who commits genocide and all that stuff. Uh, we, we kind of try to shy back from that aspect of him. And yes, apologetics is good, and we should, we should try to explain how God is a God of justice and a God of love and all that stuff, and we should explain that to people. But we also can't try to explain it away to where the God of wrath and the God uh, who has a sword coming out of his mouth, which is like, what the heck? But the God, we can't explain him away. That is still who he is, and he's awesome for that. And here is the point. Here's why I'm, why I'm sharing this. That Jesus the one who rides with the, with the armies of heaven behind him, with the sword coming out of his mouth, with fire in his eyes, fights for you. He's on your side. And you have to know that. And the reason that you have to know that is that you will not wait patiently for Jesus Bo Peep to come to your rescue when there are armies, quote-unquote armies, surrounding you in your life. When there's a battle that you're fighting, you don't want Jesus Bo Peep. Maybe to give you a hug, but you need the Jesus who's coming with the, with the armies of heaven behind him to fight your battles for you. And this is what I mean. Uh, y'all, it can be battles like, I am waiting for a man who loves Jesus and loves me and treats me well. It could be a battle of, you know what, like the bills this month are outweighing the income and I don't know how I'm going to make it. The battle could be, you know what, uh, my brother does not, he, he's run away from the Lord, he doesn't want anything to do with him, um, and there, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. These are simple battles that I'm talking about, and these are battles that we're all facing in this room, I'm sure, right now. And here's the deal, is we have to trust the Lord enough to be, that he will fight those battles for us, Okay? But here's the problem is, like, I think a lot of us just think, like, I'm waiting on the Lord, and whatever you're doing, you're just waiting on the Lord to do something. But we think that what we do while we wait on the Lord doesn't matter. Here's the deal. Let me just give you, it probably helps if I show you an example of somebody who did not wait well uh, on the Lord and what the consequences were for that. Um, 1 Samuel 13, um, Saul, the king before David, is uh, going out to battle. The Philistines are coming, and all of his people are really scared because there's a lot more Philistines than there are Israelites, and they're all running away. It says they're all hiding in caves and stuff like that. Like, really scared, okay? So things are really bad, all right? Um, I don't know if any of y'all have felt like that. Like, there's armies all around you, and all your people are running away from you, and it's just you, and things are getting really bad, uh, and you're scared. But Saul is like, okay, we need to seek the favor of the Lord for this. We need his help. Uh, and if you know, nobody is allowed to make offerings to the Lord unless you're a priest. Priests are the only ones. Everybody else is forbidden. And so um, they are waiting, and Samuel, the priest at the time, said, hey, I'm going to be there in seven days, and when I'm there at the end of the seven days, we'll make the offering, and everything's going to go great. Uh, well, the seven days go by, and Saul looks around. Army's still there. 
no priest, and he says, you know what? I can do this. I got this. I will make this offering. And so he does it. He makes the offering, and the Bible makes it look as if it says, and Saul offered the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. (laughs) Isn't that always how it works, honestly? Um, So Samuel walks up, and Saul's there, and he says, what have you done? He said, you've offered this offering, and you are not supposed to do that. And he tells him, he said, this is the reason you worst got, this is the big thing. He said, God was going to establish your kingdom forever. I don't know if y'all know that, but Jesus was supposed to be the son of Saul, not the son of David, originally. He says, you were, I was, God was going to establish your kingdom forever, but because you have done this, because you have not waited on the Lord, that's not the exact terminology, but he says, because you have taken this into your own hands, you are going to be cut off and you will not be king anymore. And God has anointed a new king. And here's the problem, is a lot of times, instead of waiting on the Lord, we feel the need that we have to get our hands into the situation, and we need to scramble, and we need to scrounge up out of our network, out of our resources, out of our wisdom, and we need to take care of this situation. Like I said, there are times for that, and God calls us to fight alongside him in a lot of our battles, but there are other times, like this one, where we are supposed to just sit tight, and we're supposed to stay there, and we are supposed to wait patiently for the Lord. In this time, Saul was supposed to wait for the Lord and, and to where Samuel would show up and make the offering, but he's looking around. He's like, you know what? It's the 11th hour, and I'm not seeing God anywhere. I need to take care of this. And there's some of us who are looking around in our situation, and we're like, you know what? Like, I know that I was supposed to wait for a guy who loves me and a guy who loves Jesus um, and a guy who's going to treat me well. And God said he was going to bring him to me, but I'm looking around and I don't see God anywhere. Maybe you forgot about it. Maybe it wasn't true. I think I'm just going to settle for this guy right here who kind of loves me, who kind of loves Jesus, who kind of treats me well. Jesus is calling us in that situation to completely wait for him and trust that he's going to show up. Let me tell y'all, this is dumb if you don't know Jesus or if you don't have God on your side. If you are waiting in a situation uh, and you're not doing everything you can to take care of yourself in the world, people think you're dumb. If you don't know the God of the armies of heaven is fighting for you, then when you're sitting there by yourself and not doing anything, people don't understand it. And it's actually quite foolish. And so when people look at you, they shouldn't understand a lot of the times whenever you're sitting around waiting for the Lord to come through, they're like, hey, you need to go do X, Y, Z. Have you tried doing this? Have you tried calling this person? Have you tried emailing that person? Have you tried investing in blah, 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 blah? And they won't understand it whenever you say, no, uh, the Lord told me that he's going to take care of that. I'm waiting for him to come through. It's a difficult thing to do. But that is what faith is. You see, there is this space between the prayer and the thing that we're asking God for, and when he actually comes through, and when he actually does it, you know what we call this period right in between here? We call that faith. That's what that is. There's a reason that God doesn't answer every single prayer, boom, 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 as soon as we pray it. It's because that's called magic, not relationship. Relationships are built on trust, and whenever we have a relationship with God, sometimes he asks us for just a little bit of faith, just a little bit of trust. And so in between that time of, God, I need you to come through here. I'm waiting for you here. And when he comes through here, all this area right here is called faith, and it hurts a little bit. But here's the great thing. It really grows us. 
it matures us in our relationship with God. We fall more in love with him. We start to find out for ourselves that we can really count on him. So I want to just mention um, a few things that happen when we do wait for the Lord. What's going to happen if we do that? And conversely, like what's, not, what's going to happen if we don't, all right? So uh, one of the main reasons, y'all, for waiting on the Lord, I think, is this. Uh, and give me a minute to make the connection because it might not click it at first. Um, this verse in Philippians 4, uh, 6 through 7, I think is huge. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's the deal. Is whenever we have this battle to fight, whenever we have this thing that we know that we can't do on our own, or maybe we can do, but the Lord's calling us not to, we are presenting the request to God. We say, God, you know what? Uh, we have all these bills. Don't know how we're going to pay it. God, uh, I'm lonely. I need somebody. God, you know, fill in the blank, whatever battle you're fighting. We come to God with the request, and we say, God, here it is. This is the problem, and this is what the Bible says. This is kind of like a weird, like, promise slash, like, uh, what's the word? Imperative kind of mix right here. It says, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you to do this, and he says, do not be anxious about, every, about anything, but in every situation, present your request to God. So that's the command. He said, if you present your request to God, this is what's going to happen. This is the promise. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. So he says, hey, if you come and you present your request to me, if you come and you give it to me, the result will be that I am going to guard your heart and your mind with the peace that transcends all understanding. That's the promise. And this is what, we're, what we get out of waiting on the Lord if we do it right. We say, God, you know what? I have this big situation. I have this thing in front of me. I need your help. I can't do it. Here is what I need from you. And God says, okay, I hear you. Here is this peace that transcends all understanding. Uh, maybe a, a illustration will help. Um, I was going through uh, this, this weird little, it's kind of like a little thing, but it was a big thing to me, okay, so take it easy on me. Um, I was going through school, and I did this class all summer, um, this past summer, and uh, I did all the coursework. I uh, did all the papers, went to all the classes, read all the books, all that stuff. And, you know, it's been a crazy summer. VBS is nuts, y'all. I don't know if y'all know that. Any volunteers in here? VBS is nuts. All right. It's great, but it's a little crazy. Uh, and so I was going through this class, and, you know, uh, throughout the semester, the guy's late policy was, hey, if you turn in a, page, a paper or something like that late, it's a point off uh, for every day late. And so it's like, okay, that's easy. I'll just turn in the next day, point off. Still get a 99. Just kidding. I didn't get 99s. But... Um, Anyway, going through this class, and it's the uh, day to turn in the final paper, and I turn it in, or I, I go to turn it in, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to just do a, few, a little bit more editing tomorrow, turn it in a day late for a point off. Well, I went to turn in the next day, can't turn it in uh, on the website, and I was like, this is not good, and so I email my, uh, my grader, I was like, hey, can you take this paper? And he's like, uh, no, that's a hard deadline, and all caps hard. I'm like, okay, it's never good when the grader uses all caps uh, to talk about a deadline. Uh, and I was like, okay. So I emailed the teacher, and he's like, sorry, that's a hard deadline. I don't know if they were like in the same room, but he said the exact same way. Hard deadline. And I was like, oh, great. 
Uh, and so they're like, hey, you can uh, submit this to a credits committee. Submit to the credits committee. They're like, no, you can't submit that. It's late. They threw the handbook at me, quoted, quoted at me. They even said like subsection, you know, D or whatever, uh, that kind of language. So it was really bad. It's really bad also when people say subsection uh, in an email against you. Um, but anyway, I'm going through this, and I'm like, uh, okay, this is really bad. Um, this is going to push back graduation. I'm being in school this much longer, and because uh, I was definitely going to fail the class if I didn't turn in this paper that's worth like 20% of my grade. And so uh, I called up there to the registrar, and uh, I've asked this lady for help before, and it was a big no, all right? Like, she did not work with me at all. Uh, and so I was like, oh, oh no, this is bad. And so I called her, talked to her, kind of told her my situation, and she would interrupt me in the middle of my story and be like, nope, you got to know the rules. Nope, you got to know when the deadline is. Nope, you can't turn that in late. I was like, this is going so well. Uh, and uh, at the end of the conversation, she's like, look, just send me your explanation of what's going on, and maybe uh, I'll take a look at it, like, but I'm like, probably not going to happen. And so I was like, oh my gosh. And so uh, Tuesday night, I've already been stressing about this for a few days, and I'm talking with Maritza. I've been praying about it a lot already, um, but I'm sitting there, and I'm, we're just laying in bed, and Maritza looks over at me, and I'm just staring at the ceiling. And she's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I can't stop thinking about that stupid class. Uh, and uh, I'm just going through like the doom and gloom with her, like I'm going to have to push my graduation back, I'm going to take that class again, I have to pay for it again, all this stuff. And she's like, yo, like, I've never seen you this much distressed ever. And there have been a lot worse things that have happened <laughs> when we've been together than just that. Uh, and I was like, you're right, this is, this is dumb. And so we stopped, and uh, I've been praying about it a lot, like I said, but for the first time, I stopped, I prayed, just a real heartfelt prayer, and I said, Lord, like, I need you to do this. Like, I have done everything I can. I have you know, email the lady, and I've done all this stuff, and I just need, I need you to do this for me. Um, but at the end of that prayer, I just said, Lord, I give this to you. I refuse to worry about it anymore. It's yours. And I slept like a baby. And then Wednesday went through, uh, didn't hear anything back from that lady. She said she was going to email me back in the next few days. Didn't hear anything back. Uh, slept like a baby again. Didn't worry about it. Came up to my mind, but I said, nope, that's the Lord's. Uh, and so next day went by, Thursday went by, still feeling great, not worrying about it. And uh, Thursday night, I'm like, hey, babe, I think I should email her tomorrow, ask her about it, you know, and, um, you know, it seems like the right thing to do. And she's like, yeah, sure. And so Friday rolled around, and I was like, okay, I'm going to email this lady again, you know, going to see if she got the, per the previous email and all that stuff. And um, I was sitting there praying about it, and finally at the end of the prayer, I was like, okay, Lord, like, I said that I was going to give this thing to you. Like, is there something that you want me to do? Um, and in my mind, I really feel like the Lord just showed me an image of a little dude sitting on uh, a recliner or on a chair, and then uh, all of a sudden the dude just went boop and uh, completely laid back in his recliner. And uh, I was like, I mean like the lazy boy, like completely flat, like uh, looks like he's in a hospital bed actually. Um, but saw that and I was like, all right, Lord, I really feel like you're telling me just to sit back and watch. Uh, and so went through the entire day. Uh, it's Friday and we're going through and I'm just like, um, I'm like, all right, it's, get, it's like getting really late. It's about 4.30. Uh, check my email one more time, something for work, and then I see an email from the registrar's office, and I was like, oh, no. And so opened it up, uh, started reading it. The lady's like, uh, you know, you have to know all the deadlines and stuff like that, and, you know, we can't take late work, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and I was like, all right, cool. And then she said, However, uh, because of blah, 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 uh, I'm going to choose to let you turn in this paper. And so she let me turn in the paper, and I got to get it all in and all that stuff, and it was really great, and I was really relieved. 
Uh, but the reason I bring this up is to make this point. And this is a small thing, I know. Uh, there's a lot bigger things uh, than that. But the point is, is that this thing was terrorizing my spirit. <laughs> I was very distraught over it. Uh, but it wasn't until I gave it to the Lord, really, and said, Lord, this is yours. I want you to take care of this, um, that I actually got that peace. And here's the thing about peace that surpasses understanding, okay? The Lord gives us that peace that surpasses understanding before the problem is solved. And that's why it's peace that surpasses understanding, People get peace normally in the world whenever the problem goes away, when the problem gets solved. But the Lord gives us this peace that surpasses understanding while we wait for him. And that's what makes it the thing that surpasses understanding, because the problem's not fixed yet. And that's real, y'all. Uh, so, last thing I was going to say is, whenever we wait on the Lord, what happens is we get the Lord's results. David, when he waited, he was supposed to be the king, and God told him that he was going to be the king. And whenever he refused multiple times to take matters into his own hands, to scramble and just claw his way up to the top, whenever he refused that, God eventually ended up making him king. He wasn't just the king, he was the greatest king. And he actually became the king whose throne never ended and actually became um, Jesus' own throne. Saul did not wait. Saul did not wait for the Lord. Saul decided at every point to take matters into his own hands. And the result was lost his kingship. And so my hope is that we can trust the Lord to fight our battles for us because he longs to. Not only does he want to, he has the capability to do it really well. So what we're going to do right now is uh, we're going to play a song. And uh, it's just going to be a little bit of an invitation. Uh, I know in a room this size, there are a lot of battles going on in people's lives. And so I don't know if today is, if you're still in that kind of space where you're in the faith part and you're in the waiting part. Maybe that's still supposed to go on today, but I'm thinking maybe there might be somebody in this room who uh, today is the day that the Lord brings you breakthrough and, and wins your battle for you. So if you got like a sickness or you got just something going on spiritually or uh, you have a family member who's running away from the Lord, whatever it is, we're going to have a prayer team up here and we want to uh, fight with you uh, in prayer uh, for that thing. So uh, if you come forward during the invitation time, we'll pray with you.